Hey everybody, it's Matt Shu from Upright Health and welcome to episode 27 of the Upright Health podcast. Today's topic, what's new with painkillers? Um, <clears throat> March 22nd, um, there's an article here on npr.org, which, which uh, I will link to. Uh, it is titled, FDA requires strong new safety warnings for opioids. So opioids... Um, in case you've not heard that word, uh, the, that's the new generally accepted word for opiates, which was the word that was used to talk about, uh, or that has been used to talk about drugs that block pain and are uh, basically related to things like morphine um, and, uh, and uh, things like opium, which you can... Uh, which I'm sure you've probably heard of in relationship to uh, opium poppy fields and heroin and um, all that stuff. Uh, so, opioids were a huge hit when they started coming to market uh, for people with pain. And um, I actually was on a trip um, last year in 2015, and I was staying at a kind of a cool little hotel in Turkey that had a little book exchange place. They just had a bunch of books in this uh, nice little outdoor seating, uh, seating area. And I was going through all these books that other travelers had left behind, and I found this uh, paperback that was talking about um, the latest developments in medical science. And the book was published sometime in the 80s. I, I forgot the exact date, but was talking about how science had developed ways to treat pain, chronic pain, that were extremely effective, had no risk of addiction, or very little risk of addiction, and that doctors could now use to help you with any kind of chronic pain. Um, I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. So this, this book is basically talking about the advent of opiates. And <clears throat> the, the funny thing, unfortunately, is that there are a lot of parallels between the story here with opiates and the story with a lot of different treatments. And I wanted to highlight that and emphasize the importance of being skeptical and being as conservative with your body as you can. Um, this is something that I talk about in regards to hip pain and to the whole um, uh, hip surgery explosion um, and the explosion in various kinds of surgeries on your joints. Um, and it's something that's really, really relevant in this story. So in this story that's on NPR.org, um, they're reporting that the FDA is now saying we need to have new safety warnings for opioids. Um, <clears throat> basically, in the United States, we're at an epidemic. Um, people are abusing prescription opioids because they feel good and they are habit-forming. And um, the thing is, these pills are prescribed... Um, pills like oxycodone, hydrocodone, um, uh, can't find the rest of the list here. Um, well, this actually mentions uh, oxycodone, hydrocodone, and morphine. 
Um, these are intended for use every four to six hours for serious acute pain. 90% um, of all opioid prescriptions are for these fast-acting or immediate-release formulations. So think about this. If you're in chronic pain, and, and I've definitely had people like this come to see me, uh, you're in chronic pain and you've got to find a way to function. So you need something that's going to help you get through the day. And your physician says, well, we have this medicine. It's a new medicine. It's very strong. It's very effective at blocking pain. And um, it works on, works on your body on a, on a receptor level, right? It blocks your ability to, uh, blocks your ability to feel the pain and, and you'll be fine, right? And also there's not going to be any, uh, long-term side effects. That's an easy decision for you as a patient, right? If the doctor said, well, yeah, there's, there's no real big side effects to be super concerned about, and this is going to help you get through the day then it makes sense for you as a patient, as long as you trust your, your doctor, to do what your doctor said. Uh, unfortunately, what, what appears to be happening, at least in the last several decades, I, I, I'm not going to make any grand generalizations across uh, centuries of time, but at least in the last several decades that uh, I've kind of looked at and seen and experienced and, and learned about, uh, there seems to be an overly optimistic view of new treatments in the medical world. And that overly optimistic attitude tends to have a backlash. And so when you have a physician who's overly optimistic about some new treatment and they reassure you that this is going to work, it's all great, you as the patient actually you should probably be doing a little research on your own and thinking about whether or not what you're being told is actually the truth and whether or not there's enough data available for your doctor to make the recommendation that they're making. That's super difficult and requires a whole lot of time and effort on your part. But uh, I think it's extremely important to keep in mind because um, the problem is the backlash. Nobody but you has to deal with the consequences of the decision to follow the advice of somebody else. So if I give you advice and you follow it, it's still the effect of that uh, decision is still primarily felt by you. And in cases where your decision affects your body, the biggest uh, the person with the most incentive to make sure it's a good choice is you, not me, not your doctor, nobody else. Now, um, unfortunately, uh, the results of the over-optimism around opioids has been um, this huge epidemic of addiction. Um, there are plenty of problems with being addicted. Um, obviously, your ability to function suffers um, when you're on and even when you're off the drug. Um, there's mood disturbances. Um, and in this article, they actually talk about um, if you take uh, antidepressants and migraine medications, 
uh, sorry, when you're taking opioids with antidepressants and migraine medications, which is possible, it can cause a potentially life-threatening central nervous system condition known as serotonin syndrome, which occurs when the body is overloaded with the brain chemical serotonin. Their opioids are also known to increase the risk for a rare but serious disorder of the adrenal glands known as adrenal insufficiency and decreased levels of sex hormones. So that's, you know, that's not really a fun one to deal with either. Um, Basically, um, what they have found is that the use of opiates is not such a great thing to help you with chronic pain or even, you know, lighter pain, um, which is something that many people have been trying to talk about for a while. And in fact, there's a physician's group um, that started putting out some videos and, and information for other physicians that talks about um, the overprescription of opio opioids and opiates. Um, it's a pretty fan they, they've produced some pretty fantastic videos. I'm going to actually uh, provide a link for um, one of their videos that they put out in 2011. It's uh, basically traces for you the, the pattern of being overly optimistic of medical data being skewed or maybe not the data, but the interpretation of data being heavily skewed, and then um, you know strong recommendations made based on those skewed interpretations. Uh, so they actually, in this video that I'm going to share, uh, they actually interview and feature this physician who used to be on the other end of the opioid debate. He would actually, uh, he was a thought leader. He was somebody who would go and um, present to other physicians and explain to them that, hey, uh, these super strong painkillers are actually quite safe and the risk of, of addiction in your patients is only going to be about 1%. So there's really, you know, there's very little downside here. If you have somebody who, who has pain and they need something strong, well, we have these medications, they are safe, they're all good, um, go ahead and prescribe them. Um, and this, this physician now actually says, well, you know, if I had known then what I know now, I definitely would not have been saying those things. Um, but in the beginning, when things are new and fresh and there's so much potential, uh, it seems like there's this common pattern um, where recommendations are made based on a limited amount of information and then down the line, uh, you know, the backlash hits. And this is, this is, it's really tragic for people who have had pain, um, you know, when there are different ways to deal with pain, um, exercise for one, um, massage for another, acupuncture, all these different things are available um, to help people with musculoskeletal issues, but they're not yet recognized as something that's going to help. Um, they're sort of being recognized now, but we're kind of on the cusp of recognizing that, you know, maybe pain is not something to try to get away from so much, but it's something that we need to understand better in the context of how the human body functions. Um, the way Western medical science has kind of dealt with pain is as a disease, and I think that's in general just a a misguided direction. Pain itself is not a disease. Pain is actually a sensation 
that your body is supposed to produce when something is going on, right? If, if, I, am, if I wake up every morning and hit myself in the head with a hammer, I'm going to feel pain when I'm hitting myself in the head with a hammer and probably some residual pain there, thereafter. Um, it, it would be completely wrong to say that the pain is a disease that I need to block and get rid of in order for me to get through my day. Um, where the, the blind spot is, I think, in medicine is generally uh, physicians don't have, there's no way for a physician to know what you're doing every day. Only you know what you're doing to your body every day. Um, and then it's up to you to try to determine what the significance is of what you're doing with your body every single day. Uh, it's, you know, recently we're starting to understand sitting on your butt all day is not treating your body very well and does seem to lead to discomfort. Um, you know, if I, I've used this metaphor before, but if I tied a tourniquet around my arm and kept it there for four days straight, uh, it wouldn't be surprising if my arm didn't feel good. Now, is that any, in any way significantly different than sitting on your butt and sitting there day in, day out for 20 years with essentially a tourniquet around your hamstrings and your glutes? Uh, I, I would argue that there is no significant difference there. And for us to simply assume that that, that that obvious physical activity doesn't affect the body physically um, is completely illogical, right? Just because if we do something a lot doesn't mean it's not something we need to consider. So anyway, um, just want just to uh, summarize again and, and close this episode. When you're dealing with something, anything, anything that's bugging you, it's really important to realize that you are the one who has the ultimate responsibility for the outcome. There are some things like, uh, you know, infectious diseases that you definitely need help with. There are some things like uh, gunshot wounds and uh, you know, pucks to the face that bust your face open, or you fall and you break your arm. These are all things that are sort of discreet, right? They are things that need somebody's help, definitely need somebody's help and intervention to make progress with. In cases where there, there's a potential life habit issue, it is not reasonable to assume that somebody else is going to be able to give you something that's going to fix it, right? Um, and if somebody is offering you something to fix a problem, you need to consider the long-term implications of, of what's uh, being suggested. Whether You need to think of this long-term both into the future and long-term into the past. And what I mean by that, I think long-term into the future is pretty clear, but long-term into the past, you need to realize uh, or, or analyze just how much information is available in the, from the past that allows the person who's recommending this idea to you to make this recommendation with certainty. You know, with, with opioids and with different kinds of surgeries, you have to think about the very limited time scope that's available 
Um, you know, with hip, with hip surgery, for example, um, for hip impingement and hip pain, labral tears and all that, you know, the actual scope of data is very short. Like that, that timeline of data available is extremely short. Uh, and it's only now we're hitting that point in time where now there's enough, there's enough data to actually say, uh, maybe the, the justification for this doesn't make sense. Right. But it's already been recommended very strongly and optimistically for the last uh, 15 years. So, um, again, uh, I, I encourage you to take some, you know, take some stock of what you're uh, being told. Recognize that the responsibility is, uh, is on you for your body. Um, if you know somebody who is being told to use opioids or you yourself are on opioids, you know, definitely check with some kind of, uh, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're, you're, you or somebody you know is trying to get off of opioids, uh, I know that that's a, that can be a tough process and you should probably seek a little help and guidance on that. Um, and if you know somebody who's considering using opioids to block pain, you know, there's definitely information out there that they should read before uh, that starts and you know one, one video is actually this uh, this video that I, I will share um, it would be very good to see because it's really from it's information from physicians explaining why uh, everyone was so gung-ho gung -ho about these uh, medications and why uh, it's not so good anymore uh, it's really an, an unfortunate story but um, at least illustrative and hopefully something that everyone can learn from so that's it for today's episode. Uh, if you have questions, you can always get in touch uh, via uprighthealth.com under the Contact Us page. Uh, there's a place you can submit questions. Um, hopefully you found this helpful and enlightening, and I hope you remember that pain sucks. Life shouldn't.